And so we're encouraging you to do that as well. All right. Understanding destiny transitions. Okay, so um, this is a, a new series that we're starting, and it's really to help you to, um, to develop a, a vocabulary, um, a language, and a meaning for transitions that happen in life. Some are expected sometimes. Um, sometimes we know the date that we're going to retire from a job, for instance. Other times, transitions happen unexpectedly. Um, sometimes you, you were planning to retire one day and then the job that you were planning to retire from tells you, uh, we no longer need your services. Um, some destiny transitions are like that. Um, some are very, some are gradual, others are very sudden. Um, but all transitions have certain markings on them, even when they're transitions that you expect and wanted. You go from, you know, being single and you ask uh, some uh, brother, some beautiful young lady, because that's what it is, a man asking a lady. Um, you ask some beautiful young lady to marry you and, um, and you say yes and you, you know, have a bunch of ceremony with a bunch of fanfare and there's a pretty dress and um, there's a bunch of people and a big cake and a big party and people throwing rice and bringing gifts but then the day after always comes. And sometimes the honeymoon don't even last the week of the honeymoon. Because those transitions, even if it's one that's expected, can bring difficulties that were unanticipated. Some were anticipated, but just experienced at a level beyond what we had, um, we had perceived on our own. We kind of think we know what we're getting into, but you don't know, really know till you get into it, do you? And so we want to have a framework that part of the destiny plan that God has for our life includes transitions as a necessary component. Transitions is not stuff that catches God off by surprise. He's actually factoring in transitions. That's why he promises to bless us as we go in and as we come out. He already had a transition thought in that whole blessing that uh, you can get blessed coming and going. So objectives, five objectives, and I'll go a little slow today because I'm building foundation, just really one main scripture and then a second one. Um, but next week I'll have um, some significant, uh, significantly uh, more involved content. Um, objective number one is to elaborate on destiny transitions as a necessary component on the destiny path. Um, destiny transitions, is that's necessary. It's not like to everything there's a time and a season. If a season ends, then you got to transition. You, you don't want to be wearing summer clothes in January in Michigan. That means you haven't accommodated a transition that has occurred. Right? And so sometimes people 
are in one season wishing for the next season or wishing for the last season. The scripture says it this way, that part of the curse of Deuteronomy 28 is in the morning, you'll say, would to God, it was evening. In the evening, you'll say, would to God, it was morning. In other words, there are people in the morning of their life saying, I can't wait till I get grown. So I can, and then they have a picture of how it's supposed to go. And then they get to the evening of their life and then they say, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Then they want to go back when they should have a minivan and, you know, and then they want to buy a Corvette because they're trying to live out their childhood. You know, wearing, wearing skinny jeans with a two liter, not a six pack. You know, going to the club, trying to, you know, put their fake up on and doing other things to try to be something that they could have been before. Nah, I ain't against your makeup. Go on, go on, do you. But make sure that you that you're not trying to be something that you're not. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes people live out of their season. So I tell people, like, don't get married too soon. Because if you do, then you'll be a married person trying to act single because you weren't single when you should have been. Because you didn't understand that destiny transitions was a part of, of the destiny path. The Apostle Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I understood as a child, I spoke as a child. But when I became a man, I transitioned and put away childish things. And so we want to be people that just recognize that transitions is a natural part of destiny. Nobody cussed you out. God ain't mad at you. Transitions is just a part of the deal. All right. Number two, to illuminate the principle, promise, power and providential assistance available in, in destiny transitions. That, there, that because it's a principle and because God knows that it's there, that he's promised to be with you in your transition. God is eternal and never changes. Therefore, we have to change. We go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Those goings from to are transitions. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. There's, there is a transition. That's a natural part of what we do. So we want to illuminate the fact that this is a principle, that there's a promise of God being with us and guiding us through transition, that his power is available to us to transition even when it's difficult. I can remember as a young man seeing my mother transition from being a very, very, very good wife. Very, very, very good wife. Not just because she was my mama, did I, am I saying this? She was a better wife than most of them that I saw around her. And she, she had to transition from being a very, very, very good wife to being a very young widow. And I saw her tr make that transition gracefully. I saw her go through a very difficult period with a lot of faith in God. 
and a superhuman power that defied all natural reasoning. I'm telling you, destiny transitions, there's power for it. And that in that moment, God has providential assistance. What does providential assistance mean? It means that God saw this period before you got here and he already made provision for it so that when you got here, all he have to do is open up something he already planned and because it, it's already prepared. Because he thinks of everything. Because he was and is and is to come. So he's already at my tomorrow waiting for me to get there. All right. Number three, to incubate certain understandings that will accentuate the positive aspects of destiny transition. I'm going to plant certain seeds in you. I, three weeks is just not enough time to get into all of the detail. Got it? But I can give you certain things that build on the foundation of what you already have so that these things can be in you and you'll know and you can incubate them. You can meditate on certain truths and grow them that will um, that will accentuate. Hey, there is strength that can come out of this. These things, you know, there's a scripture in, Prov in not in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. It says better is the end of a thing than the beginning. There's, there's, there's scripture that says it's better to celebrate one's death than one's birth. And so when things end, when you understand like one of the component um, revelations and understandings is we want to understand the law of resurrection. That things have to die for other things to be resurrected. That is a necessary part. OK, um, number four is to cultivate an assurance that God has seen ahead and provide it for your next as we move toward this destiny transition. We want to be clear, Jehovah Jireh is not just the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh, if you go back and read when, when, when Abraham spoke that name, it says, he said to his son Isaac, God will provide for himself a lamb. He said, I've seen, I seen, you know, the wood and the fire, but where's the burnt sacrifice? The Lord will provide for himself. And then he said, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. In other words, God will give you vision of the provision that he's already made. He's already looked ahead and made provision. God will give you vision to see the provision he's already made. Because when he was about to slay, he said, nope, there's a ram stuck in a bush. It was already there. He just had to look up and see it. It, it needed the law of perception. And so God will cause you to see the provision that he's already made. And we want to cultivate an assurance in the midst of transition that God has already seen this and made a plan. 
All right? And then finally, finally, number five, to insulate you from hopeless grief, loss, and worry through the understanding that destiny transitions result in destiny triumph. The Bible says when it comes to things that are dying, we should not sorrow as those that have no hope. Even when things die, we're supposed to believe that resurrections are on the other side of death. So we do not sorrow like other people sorrow. It didn't say we didn't have sorrow. It says our sorrow should not be hopeless. Some things, the separation uh, and loss of death hurts. That's why Jesus, knowing he was going to resurrect Lazarus from the grave, still wept at his grave. I mean, to me, if you knew he was going to be resurrected in a few in a few minutes, I mean, he was only dead four days. You was already busy. The other three, you just got here. You know, you about to raise him up from the dead. Why, why are you crying? Because death has grief in it. But he did, he sorrowed, but he still had his hope. I'm telling you that even when we're going through this season, that you can have grief, you can experience loss, and you shouldn't worry. Because we, we, we experience grief and, grief and loss because of the pain of separation, which is real. Okay, it is real. We experience questions and wonder. It's that's real, but we should do it with hope because we understand that on the other side of transition is triumph. Jesus transitioned through the cross to the grave, but he triumphed on his resurrection day. We we believe that that is the process that we go to. <laughs> one, one minister said, um, to go from glory to glory, just get rid of the L. That in that middle phase, it can get a little gory. Yes. Right? <laughs> Yeah, so that's just a natural part of it. But we understand something that on the other side, when people made it through their change, there was always a strength in the other side that they didn't have before. And so that's what we're believing for. All right, I gave you one prophetic impression at the beginning of the year that I want to share with you now. And this prophetic impression said, be open to the suddenlies of God. Where he interrupts, intervenes, and overpowers your circumstances with his glorious power as only he can. Sometimes suddenlies don't, suddenlies always catch us off surprise. They catch us off guard. You know, 
I, I've been asking as, as we've been going through this transition process, how long had you known this? It wasn't as long as I would have liked. I didn't start out this year believing that this was going to come. I've just been on a journey, a search. Like you, sometimes God directs me step by step. His word is a lamp to my feet before it lightens the whole path. And so suddenly it's happened to us all. Okay. And we have to determine to interpret events towards the positive and not the negative. Nobody can do that interpretation for you. When I think about in our own house when my beautiful darling bride after 25 years with General Motors, we're told, sorry, we don't need your services anymore. It took her a minute. It took a minute to kind of get her bearings. Had to deal with the grief and loss. Used to getting up in the morning, heading here 25 years and having a transition forced that wasn't expected. But we had to define this as a suddenly of God or it would have taken us into an unnatural or a natural state of grief and sorrow that could have been overwhelming. Because a lot, a lot depends on how we define things, not just what happens, but how we define what happened to us. Okay, so all of us have the power to impose perspective on events. How you impose perspective on events determines whether you will be a victim or a victor. And so we had to treat this like it was a suddenly of God. Okay, here's good. Here's what's good out of it. All right. You know, I can come home and you can have dinner every time I get home in Jesus name. Now, to you, that might. <laughs> I'm just saying how you define it. You got to find you got to find. And 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 just before the severance ran out, she had new work. So technically, she had a six month vacation. But see, that wouldn't happen that way if you don't define it the right way. Okay. Now, some mornings she was, I'm on a call and then she's advising me. I'm like, hold up, pumped and break, sister. Like for 27 years, I've been handling this business by myself. I'm pretty good at my job. You know, they pay me good. I'm good at it. But I had to understand she was going through her own. I had to, I had to understand Initially, I tried to push her too fast to get to the next. And that, that was not good. And I said, Lord, if you get me out of this, I won't ever do it. She was like, what am I doing today? I, I'm, I'm just sitting at home in my jammies. I'll be like, okay, I'll see you when I get back, honey. Give me a kiss. I had to let her go through her season. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if you get on the other side of this and you go places and you're still in your season, let your season be your season. 
there were people who whose husband was still with them telling my mom she should have gotten over my dad till they got widowed. Then they were like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. See, you know what I'm saying? When you on the outside, you don't, you know what I'm saying? So that's why, that's why, you know, people who got upset with me thinking that this is like joyful for me, like I did something, I'm like, they don't even, they not in my shoes. And I had to counsel my, I'm gonna start crying. I had to counsel with pastors and he said, God won't let them understand what it feels like to you. They don't, they don't mean bad. They're hurting and hurt people hurt people. But because they're hurting doesn't mean they understand my hurt. But I still got to do the job because that's what I signed up for. Transitions is part of my assignment and that's my job. And I'm going to do my job and stand before Jesus if nobody like it. And if nobody came back, I was still going to do what God told me to do. Because I promised him I would. Truthfully, you know how when we came through as a family, the grief and sorrow, we could identify things and help people. And we could see people that was going through what we had been through. The scripture says it this way. You're able to comfort others with the comfort you yourself have been comforted by the God of all comfort. So one of the strengths that happen is you come through something and then you're able to see somebody else going into a situation and then you're able um, to give them strength from your own experience. Don't buy a lesson I already paid for. And so coming through this, I recognize that there are other. Listen, we have made your pastor made some hard decisions. There's a bunch of other churches that should make the decision. Ain't my job is they think I'm just saying this is not this is not the only place. I'm not the only person that's have had to do it. That sometimes people stick their head in the sand and ignore what's really there until it gets worse. And I'm like, no, you can't do that, man. You got to do the job. You understand? And so we have to be when we come through this situation, you yourself will be able to help other people going through situations. One of the ministers on our staff had been through a similar situation in a different church. And she spoke up and said, hey, I went through this, something like this before and gave really good sound wisdom because she had been here before. OK, and so you will have something to be able to help other people in future situations. Somebody say amen. Now, let's uh, vision definition. Um, we have given you this definition of destiny. Let's let's look at it again. Destiny, we say, is the undeniable truth that God has an amazing plan for your life hidden inside himself and placed in seed form inside of you. Very common definition. Won't spend a lot of time on it. It's on banners behind me. Now let's go on to the next one. Um, transition. Transition. The process or period of passage from one state, stage, subject, or place to another. Transition is change. The process or period. There are steps to it, and there's a time frame associated with it. Sometimes you're just in a time of transition, and you wish you could rush on to the next thing, but you just got to let it be what it's going to be. 
Now, you can stay in that period too long. You can. But you have to, but you can also try to rush through it too short. I tried to rush my bride through it, and the Lord was like, don't you? Now, see, God don't talk to you like this. Don't you ever do that again. I said, God, you get me out of this. Mm, I'm going to give her all the time in the world she needs. Praise the Lord. After that, I was just like, you want to stay in your onesie all day? Stay in your onesie. Now, see, I'm just, I'm joking. I'm just joking. I try to make it funny, okay? <laughs> but I'm just saying, you have to allow people the time it takes for them to get through their grief. That's a real thing. Sometimes we're trying to rush people when we haven't been where they are. And so we don't even know what it takes to get through what they're getting through. Okay? And uh, so that transition is a process and a period. It's a process and a period of passage. So process tells me that there might be more than one step associated with it. You know, there people talk to you about the, the stages of grief, shock, anger, re rejection, acceptance, and hope. They called it Sarah. That's the way they taught it to me in S-A-R-A-H, right? Um, and so sometimes people are just in a phase. And anger is an acceptable phase. Right? It is reasonable that some people are upset with transition. Okay? But don't stay there. You're going to have to keep it moving. That's why the Bible says be angry but sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't bake in your own emotions. You're the one that's stewing. All you did was stew you. <laughs> okay. Now let's look at um, destiny transition. Destiny transition then is the critical process or period of God-ordained, God-designed passes from one state, stage, subject, or place to another which has the possibility of resulting in more unfolding of his amazing plan for your life if properly recognized, received, regarded, and rigorously endured with faith, hope, and love. So not only we're saying destiny transitions are transitions that are a part of God's plan for your life, right? They are transitions just like anybody else's transitions, but ours are transitions with God in it because all things work together for the good because we love God and are called to purpose, okay? And so we have a God-designed and God-ordained passage that will result on the other side to a greater unfolding of his amazing plan if we recognize it, we receive it as such, we regard it, and we rigorously endure it. So we have to make sure that as we're going through the transitions, okay, God, I'm in transition, and I can make this negative or I can make it positive, but I choose the positive, okay? Not only do I choose to recognize it and receive it and regard it, there are steps that I have to go through to make it successfully in the process to get to the other side. 
one of the things that I had to, this is just a personal with Pastor David. I had to recognize that I could, I could spend all of my emotional energy chasing people that have animosity towards me in this season and not keep the emotional reserves I need to manage towards my next. And I found that that was not worth my time. Because a person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. There's no way I can get inside your head and convince you of something that you convinced of. So why would I do that? Why would I hug the porcupine? Why would I do that? <clears throat> I told a guy I used to work with, I said, um, arguing with you was like mud wrestling a pig. After a while, you figure out the pig likes it. <laughs> I, it's no, there's no benefit to it. It doesn't help the person. And like, if your presence, if my presence is going to antagonize you, then I'm going to separate from you, not because I don't love you, but because I don't want to antagonize you further. I need to give you time to process. You're on your own process. But I can't let your process stop me on mine. Got it? Okay. So now let's get to the last part of that definition. It has to be properly recognized, received, regarded, and rigorously endured with faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. We said we can't sorrow as if we have no hope. So we have to really expect great things in our next for there to be great things in our next. And then we have to call to that because faith is voice activated. One of the reasons why it's important for us, even when other people are going through their stages of grief, to not get accept, to not get in the pit with them is because faith works by love. That's why when God, when Jesus told Peter and the disciples in Mark chapter 11 about having the faith that moves mountains, and when you stand praying, forgive. Because your faith shuts down and God won't give you real bullets if you start trying to do friendly fire on other believers. I hope it go bad for them. That doesn't hurt them. It hurts you. What people think about me can't hurt me. What I think about them can. What people say about me can't hurt me. What I say about them can. Not hurt them, hurt me. So I have to be careful in this period when there's all these emotions running rampant to make sure I put a filter on my tongue. Who would see life, live life and see good days? Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Now, people saying bunches of stuff. What they say won't affect me, but what I say can't affect me. They got to live with the, with, the, with the fruit of their own lips. I got to live with the fruit of mine. And so it's important through this destiny transition that you hang on to the, while things change, we hang on to what 1 Corinthians 13 says are the three enduring substances, faith, hope, and love. 
And the greatest of those three is love. Somebody say amen. Okay. Hebrews 11, 8 through 16. Is this blessing you? Destiny transitions. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out. That's a transition. Not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents. That means he was he was transitory. He didn't have a house. He had a tent. With Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. They died believing stuff that didn't manifest the way they believed it. Now, what that said? Died in faith, not having received the thing that they were believing for, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims, people on permanent transition on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they came out, they would have had opportunity to transition backward, opportunity to return. Transitions could be negative. That's what backsliding is. Verse 16, but now they desire a better that is a heavenly country Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Eight key points on destiny transition from the journey of Abraham and of his descendants. Number one, the story of Abraham, the father of faith, is a textbook, textbook account of destiny transition. It's textbook. All right. The account begins with the with with receiving a promise that resulted in an immediate transition. Go to a land. Right. Abraham, if you go to this land, I'm going to make you a great nation. And Abraham departed. The scripture says here he didn't even know where he was going. Number three, further, we are clear that Abraham had a compass, but not a roadmap. He went not knowing where he was going. Okay, apostle called that show me land. You get there, I'm going to show you that you there. You don't know where you're going before you get going. Sometimes when you're in transition, you wish you had all the answers people asking you for. God reserves the right to not give you all the information at the outset of your journey. He reserves the right to, to require that you go with him and in going with him, he'll give you all the details on the way. Amen. That was number three. That was number three. Number four. Though he was 
promised a land, he dwelt in tents while looking for a city. The promise that he got didn't manifest at the level of the, of the thing that he start, had when he started. Pastor, why is that important? Because some way you might have a picture of great things and the first thing may not be as great as the picture you had when you made your move. You've got to be okay that it may not work out and they lived happily ever after the end. As you go from here to your next, there may be some difficult days, not just the difficulty of ending, but the difficulty of beginning the, anew. That's one of the reasons why I can't waste all my emotional energy and stuff that's not helping me move forward. I got to, I got to keep enough emotional me for the journey of what my next. Can't, can't waste all my stuff hugging porcupines and mud wrestling pigs. Can't do that. I can't because I got to have enough strength for my next. It may not come out exactly the way I foresaw it. So I have to have emotional. It, I got I got to have some reserves, man. Does that make sense? <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm thinking about, you know, one of our young people that went to a new school, man. He had to he had to get in there and he had to hustle. And even though there was all of this stuff that was there, there was still some difficulties that he faced in going through a transition. And it doesn't always come exactly the way you saw it when you drew it up on your plan. Amen. Is that a true statement? Amen. Okay. All right. All right. I just want to make sure I'm in the house. Yeah. Sometimes you're in transition and God did promise you things and you did hear from God, but it doesn't always happen as smoothly as, as what you saw. David, not David, Joseph had a dream about being the person, you know, and, and everything bowing down to him and his brothers bowing down to him and his parents bowing down to him. And he had, he went through a transition and, and the first thing that he hit didn't look like the picture of the dream that he had. And then it went from bad to worse. He went from slavery to being a prison. So you have to be okay that you made transitions and the first step may not blow up. You may not go from zero to zillions on the first day after your transition. You have to be okay with that. All right. I said it this way. When God gives you a vision, it doesn't always work out like you envision. The vision is important and necessary, but God is obligated to his word, not to your picture. Yeah, he's obligated to his word, but he ain't obligated to your picture. I thought it was going to be like this. I never dreamed it would be that way. He's not obligated to your dream. And you have to be okay that it might manifest different than the way you saw it. All right, number five, for a brief 15-year period, the now, the next, and new generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, stay together as heirs of the same promise. Now, though we are celebrating our 27th years of church, we actually existed from 1989 as a ministry. Therefore, we are truly in our 30th year. So we got twice as much time as Abraham did. That's what I wanted you to know about that. Look at number six. The faith process started small. Sarah bore one child. Isaac, but end it large, as many as the sand on the seashore and stars in the sky. And it includes you and me, who are the seed of Abraham through faith in Jesus Christ. 
So just because it starts small don't mean it have to end small. Even as you transition. Okay. Look at number seven. The period from promise to ultimate fulfillment was subject to many destiny transitions, but required unshakable faith in the midst of difficulties, dilemmas, and supposed dead ends. Yeah. They went through some stuff getting to their promise. Abraham got to the land and brought his nephew, which caused trouble. During a famine, Abraham left left the, the land that God had sent him to, went down to Egypt and picked up Hagar, who produced Ishmael. Ishmael later had to be banished because he was messing with Isaac, the son of promise. But in the short term, Ishmael grew faster than Isaac did. In the short term, Ishmael became mighty when Isaac was just a man with a small team. Isaac had haters from the Philistines who stopped up the wells his father Abraham had dug and had to move around, again transitioning to find a place of peace. Isaac and Rebekah had two sons who became two nations and only one with the promise. After stealing the blessing from Esau, Jacob had to run back to Abraham's home country and work for his uncle Laban, who tricked him causing him difficulty for 20 years. Jacob then had to transition back to the promised land, but had to face his brother Esau, who had become a mighty warrior with a great army while he was just a large family. In fulfillment to a prophecy given Abraham, Joseph, Jacob's favorite son, is transitioned to Egypt as a slave before transitioning the entire family to Egypt as a prime minister. This resulted in them becoming slaves before Moses and then Joshua transitioned them back to the promised land. All I'm saying is just transitions is a part of the process. Okay. I look at number eight. While all things didn't work out as any had envisioned on earth, the faith process they went through pleased God and they were eternally rewarded. God was not ashamed to be called their God, and he prepared for them a city. Same city he's preparing for us. Let's look at Psalm 23, 1 through 6, and I got one statement and one key statement to make. It's a statement I made before, but I want to just emphasize it again. Common passage of scripture, most many can quote it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me by side the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths, plural, of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, being led by him on paths of righteousness, I'm going through the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Not only in bad neighborhoods, there's bad folks in the bad neighborhoods. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy follow, shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, so one key statement. The destiny path goes through bad neighborhoods. Yeah. 
He leads me in paths of righteousness, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, where enemies get to see me eat. All right. So notice that it's the shadow of death. God is light and him is no darkness, according to 1 John 1 and 5, or shadow, according to James 1, 17. Shadows are the absence of light. The shadow lies to you and tells you it has the power over you. We don't fear death because life is with us. But death, even the death of a church, has no victory. Death, all kinds of death, none of them have victory. Notice that the bad neighborhood includes haters. It does, doesn't it? He said he said he would prepare a table before you on behalf in front of your enemies. Now, don't be one because God will feed me in front of you. Mm. Because God is with you and you carry his presence, his anointing is on you and makes you slippery enough to pass through anything trying to hold you back from your destiny. Further, his presence and power filling you will create more power than you can contain. And even in transition, you will have capacity to help others. Your cup runs over. Remember, Joseph, right in the middle of prison, was interpreting dreams and solving problems. Further, you are not alone. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And while in transition, spiritually, you are established Dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, let's stand. Did this bless you today? Next week, um, I have eight principles that I want to talk you through to ensure you have an understanding of these key things, these key principles that undergird this season of transition so that you can maximize it and move on to the to fulfill the vision God has given each of us to walk in when the people when when Moses excuse me when Abraham moved forward he carried with him the blessing because of the promise that was on his life his son Isaac and even Esau both of them were blessed. God said he would make Esau, I mean, excuse me, Ishmael, Ishmael, sorry. He would make Ishmael a great name, make him a great nation because he was Abraham's son. And so you have to be careful that people who got mad and got off might grow up, blow up faster than you did. As I, that, that wasn't in my, that wasn't where I thought this was going when I got into my study, but that's what the Lord showed me. So that's why God has a way to take care of everybody. And what he's doing for them, let be between God and them. The key question is, what is he doing with you? That's what you have to concern yourself. And he will get you to what he has for you. As if you stay on what he's telling you to do. Yeah. Why? Because Ishmael blew up faster than Isaac. Esau, go back and read it. (laughs) Jacob was just a small family. Two wives, two concubines, 12 boys and a girl. A few servants. 
Esau rolled up to him with an army. When he was still running around, Esau had cities when he was still in tents. But both of them got to their destiny. Yeah, Esau got all of that. Israel had all of that. But Jesus said that in the kingdom of heaven, we get to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Didn't say Ishmael or Esau. You can live out the vision that God has for you even in transition. That's my only point. And that's what I want you encouraged. Don't, don't throw away all of the foundational truth and the promise and the blessing and the things we believe for together. You carry it with you wherever you go. I want you confident that wherever you go, nothing you've done to this point is wasted or lost.